Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, I'm Steph. And I'm Simon. And welcome to The Food Fight, where we offer a different perspective on food culture issues around Australia and the world. We'll talk with chefs, producers, business owners and experts to hear their stories and find out what makes them tick. This episode, we're speaking with Alex Elliott Howery from Cornersmith in Sydney about pickling, preservation, community, and the roles that they play in food security. Welcome to the Food Fight Podcast, back for another episode. My name is Steph Postuma, joined by my co host, Simon Evans. Hiya. And we are here upstairs at Cornersmith in Annandale with Alex Elliott Howery. Alex, thank you so much for joining us and having us here upstairs in this beautiful light-filled room. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right. Well, we start our podcast with an acknowledgement of country. So we'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather and speak today. And we'd like to pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Okay, let's start the podcast, guys. Alex, there's so much to talk about, and it's a very opportune time to start to to discuss what Cornersmith does and things like pickling and food security. But to start with, tell us a little bit about how you started Cornersmith and about was pickling and pickles an idea from the start? Was it always going to be a part, a big part of what, what this place is? Yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's an interesting question because I've been thinking a lot over the last three months during all of this time about our beginning and how it all started. And I think it's really relevant. So I am not a trained chef at all, enthusiastic home cook, psycho obsessive person. When I find something I'm interested in, I can't stop. Um, my, like a chef. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> I think it is at heart. Um, and my partner James is always been in the coffee game. So I was at home. I had two small children. Um, I had my babies young. So I was at home with them, trying to figure out my life, trying to figure out what I was doing, and started thinking about food. And started thinking about food in a different way than because I was, you know, had kids at home, lived in the city every week, go to the supermarket, fill up the trolley, come home, fill up the fridge, feed everyone. At the end of the week throw food away and I was like there's something in this cycle that is not working for me and I didn't quite know what it was and I didn't know a lot yet but I started just thinking about it a bit more I did heaps of reading heaps of research watched heaps of you know stuff on YouTube and read books and I realized how 
fucked our food system is basically and that I thought maybe I needed to single-handedly change that (laughs) so I took on a massive mission and wanted to educate myself so for one year I was completely obsessive and completely changed the way I did everything at home so I didn't buy anything from the major supermarkets I didn't buy anything that was overly packaged I didn't buy anything that was imported because I felt like food miles were an issue I didn't buy anything that had too much plastic I wanted to know where the food was coming from I wanted to eat seasonally. I didn't quite know what I was doing, but I was kind of doing something. And it was over that time where my partner and I were talking more and more about the Sydney food scene and all these restaurants and these cafes. You know, this was 10 years ago. These cafes that are great, but like, is it, it's, like, it's like the conversation isn't getting bigger. So we, I kind of was like, I think we need, to, we need to try and take what we're doing at home and this conversation that we're having, and look, it's not new, it's not like we invented it, and see if we can make this work in a business, really, I guess. So I spent a year obsessively teaching myself how to pickle and preserve because I felt like that maybe was going to be the answer. I taught myself how to dehydrate heaps. So we just ate like astronauts for a while. It was all, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing, but that was kind of, there was something in this and I was like, the food system has to change. Mm. So that was the beginning of Corner Smith. Was it, and I'm going to kind of divert where we are a little bit because we'll just immediately start talking about, um, you know, food security Mm. and food waste because you've already mentioned it so much. But was there, when you you realised that there's something fucked about our food system, Mm. Was there something that triggered it? Like, was there something, was there a particular moment that you can remember that you were like, something needs to change? Yeah, look, for me, it was uh, putting the garbage out. And I would like every week, you know, you're filling up your thing, you, put, you fill your garbage bin up and then it was getting taken off. And I was like, where is that even going? And then I just was thinking about it. I was like, I'm throwing away so much food. And like little kids are nightmares. Like they have one bite of something and then chuck it in the bin and, you know, or leave it on the ground or whatever. So I felt like, and I'm like quite a conscious person and quite an environmental person and I was having so much waste. And then I was like, I was at home a lot on my own. So I was also going a bit crazy. But I was like, if this is me doing this, that means the neighbours are doing it. It, which means the whole, you know, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Mm. Bit OCD, maybe. Yeah, it's quite scary to extrapolate that. Like, yeah. Like, I was thinking it was like just from like driving, and I'm like, it's a lot of cars. Yeah. And you're like, this only a small like, area. Yeah. Like, I'm just driving see. up one street. Like, it's a lot of cars. <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly. There's a lot of cars. And like, yeah, same with anything, like a little bit of waste you make. Yeah, um, exactly. And I from. think also I was trying to, I was trying to figure out how to feed my family like I was young I was 25 had two little kids I was like how do I feed everyone in the way that I want to and you go to the supermarket and the answer's not really there Mm. like everything I was like oh it's got too much of this or too much of that or it's packaged uh." so I felt like I had to teach myself how to cook from scratch and that was the turning point Mm. it was like I can take control of this I will empower myself I'll feed my family and I felt like instead of looking at cooking as being like me being like tied to the kitchen I looked at it in a really empowering way Mm. Was that easy to transition from spying at supermarkets to finding small growers? Or where did you go? Did you go to markets? or Yeah, I mean, I went places? to the markets a lot. Once you start thinking about it, and once you start talking to people as well, I mean, they're just, it seemed like there's actually a surprising amount of food around. Um, I mean, even in my neighbourhood, I live in Dalit Chil, it's an old Greek and Vietnamese neighbourhood. So, you know, I didn't buy oranges for that whole year because there was all the Greeks were so, they loved me. They were like, mm. oh, there's a crazy lady on the corner who wants the oranges and the lemons mm. and, you know, the chocos and all that sort of stuff. So 
Look, it is hard and I was home, so I wasn't at work. I didn't have to have that time pressure, mm. which is why the supermarket's so great. Um, but it's just changing your habits, yeah, I reckon. Totally. It's it's interesting. It's such a journey, isn't it? That mm. that and and once you get involved in it, it becomes such an enriching part of your life in a yeah. way. Like I have had a similar journey in a sense since I since I moved back to Wollongong and started volunteering with um, Hidden Harvest. Shout out to Hidden Harvest, the food waste organisation in in, mm. in Wollongong. You learn so much in this, and, and once you become a part of the community, there's so many people around you that you can learn from and you learn different yeah. ways of doing things and different places to shop. And now I'm actually working um, temporarily for Food Fairness Illawarra and discovering even more mm. what what's available in our local area and the yeah, different the, ethnicities that, that have, have these beautiful little grocers or delis or exactly. things like that mm. that you can use. I've done the access and education a lot of time. I think people... I mean, maybe yourself as well. You go, I want to make this change. Yeah. What do I do now? Yeah, where exactly. Do I go? Where, where can I get things? And I think for me, I just looked at the supermarket and I was like, wow, everything in here, someone, like you, someone made once. And mm. I'd like look at mustard and I'd be like, I bet I could make mustard. Mm. So then I'd go home and like teach myself how to make mustard. Yeah. And I was like, tick, done. But I also think what I, the, my mistake I made then is that I was like, everything, I have to make everything from scratch. So it <laughs> was like, I had a nervous breakdown because you can't. Mm. But it, that got me thinking about, community and how we don't share food and we need to share the labor and the resources yeah. and all of that stuff as well which is kind of like you know Cornersmith started but is why I started the cooking school because mm. I don't think everyone should make bread and cheese and pickles and mustard yeah. like yeah. you make the mustard I'll make the bread and you so bring the sausages you know what I mean of mustard and trying to make 500, 500 yeah of mustard, a loaf yeah of bread exactly exactly <laughs> yeah, and share the load so yeah. and I think that's why the cooking school has been so successful is that yeah we're also it's a very kind of realistic like we are busy Jamie my friend Jamie and I run the school together and we are busy working mamas so we're not home all day yeah. and we're trying to get that into people's heads mm. like it just doesn't have to be all the time lifestyle so yeah. we'll, we'll kind of swerve back towards Cornersmith and, and its evolution but like why then why then was a, a bricks and mortar cafe with a, a pickle a pickle and preservation mm. sort of element to it the route you sort of thought thought about in terms of being, becoming a part of a community and educating community about food security and food um, food preservation and stuff like that because you could have just you know gone and worked for an NGO or started started a little community organization of yourself that was just pickling workshops yeah, or true. whatever it might have been like why why is yeah. cafe the, the, the way the way so I guess. Um James has always worked in, that's my husband, has worked in coffee and the food industry and was, you know, getting a bit older and was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to just work for other people forever. So we were kind of making a lifestyle choice and probably one, a bit of an unrealistic one of the fantasy about having a family business, yeah. <laughs> which you know, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All day, it'd be great. Exactly, we'll finish be at three, what? Yeah. Um, take your own hours. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, we wanted um, to have our own business, I think. I felt like it was – I don't know. I mean, like I'm 10 years on the other side now, so I'm trying to think about when I first started why we thought that was the way to go. But I think it's that it would – I felt like it would be a really accessible way to get information to people, to everyone, because people can come in and just grab a coffee and not engage with the other side of Cornersmith, which a lot of people do, or they can come in and kind of go, oh, that's cool, you guys are getting lemons from your next-door neighbour, like just starting some conversations without – people having to go to a workshop or sign up for something they're not quite sure 
because people who come to those things are already in it. So it felt mm. to me it was a way to kind of spread the message in a really gentle way. We've mm. got bigger and louder and prouder over the last 10 years of like shouting out ethics. Whereas in the beginning I was a bit like, oh, we'll just kind of go slow and see if people are interested. And they were just like, I couldn't believe how interested mm. they were. So I think it was the idea of having a business and but also figuring out a way to get information to people. Mm. It's well. it's it's such a good point because you've got to I mean whether they like it or not if they just come for a coffee and breakfast and they think it's just a cafe you've kind of got a little captive audience where you can drop little hints about exactly. what you do and what you care about yeah because it, we find the same thing at Hidden Harvest that like even when when we run a workshop or when when there's an event it's people that are already interested. That, that yeah. are just showing up. You're preaching and, to and, the converted. And they want to support it. Yeah. And they already are aware of the work that's being done. But when you can when you can find a new audience with with something as mainstream as a cup of coffee, yeah. that's that's where you can start to sort of really see yeah. trickle into other put your tentacles into other yeah. pockets of the And we'd world. have tradies come in and look around and be like, What's all this shit? Yeah. And that's a really great <laughs> way to start a conversation. Yeah. You know? Like all this shit is actually really important, yeah. mate, you yeah. know? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Have a go. Curious tradey statement. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, what the yeah. fuck is this? Yeah, exactly. Oh, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That you exactly. asked. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, so you started Cornersmith in Marrickville. With the cafe, little cafe, little baby cafe. Little cafe. And you were just doing pickles out of the kitchen there? Yeah, so we'd close on Mondays for pickling, which was like a terrible financial decision, mm. but we did it. Was, was that from the start? Or was from that the start, decision? yeah. Right. That was from the start. Um, and that was kind of, when I think back on it, it, was just like we'd make 20 jars and we'd be so yeah. pleased with ourselves and <laughs> then they'd all sell the next day and, you know, I'd be like, fuck, I've got to do it again. Um, so it took off in a way that was very unexpected for us. I think it was the right time in that people were starting to wanted wanted a little bit more from their dining experiences as well um and also we were in Marrickville which is uh, an area that I guess there wasn't a lot there was a lot of people in there there wasn't a lot of this kind of like new phase of stuff there's heaps of great Vietnamese food and kind of old school cafes so it was I guess we were the new kids on the block doing something like we had beehives on the roof and mm-hmm. pickles awesome. and yeah cool and so what was the initial response? Like, I mean, you start as a cafe and mm. people come to you because you're a cafe, but like yeah. how quickly did people start to get what you were doing outside of Pretty fast. So one yeah. week in, we arrived at work and all our windows had been smashed in with fuck off yuppies written wow. all you're over kidding. the, like, and we were like, and we were like, Firstly, so my husband was so offended that they'd called him a yuppie. He was like, that was the first thing for him. But like, we it's were like, it's like a 90s yuppies. slur. For, yeah. like, and like everything <laughs> smashed. And like we'd pan paint, like we'd painted the ceiling and like wow. James laid all the tiles. Like we'd done it all. Oh, and we were just like so heartbroken. Who would get that offended? Oh, I know. Look, it's a long About story. Like, I won't get into it here. Okay. But, okay. Um, but what came out of that was that all these community that were people we'd had no idea about arrived on that day as we were like sweeping up the glass Ooh. and people bought flowers from their garden and someone bought a watermelon that they'd grown with a bow wrapped around it and gave us cards and I just spent the whole day crying and people hugging us and I was like wow this is actually really good for business <laughs> but also <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly but also what it made me realize is that 
you know, we represented something more for our local community. They really were starting to, you know, they were interested in what we were doing and they wanted us there. Um, and so then we started the trading program where yeah. people could bring in their home. Tell ex- us about that. Yeah. yeah, so they could bring in their ex- uh, excess homegrown produce to us if they had too much of it and we would use it. Um, and I just did that after that person bought me the watermelon with the bow. I was like, wow, people want to connect and it's got to be it's in, in a different way. So... The guy who lived across the road, he was a lawyer in the city and every morning he would bring us a big bag of homegrown rocket and we would trade him his coffee and he'd go off on the train and we'd have rocket on the sandwiches that day. And then I was kind of like, this is nice. This mm. is feels good. So mm. we put a little sign up. I think it might have even been before Instagram. Wow. Um, so we just put, well, or before well, I knew about Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyone know about it? I know. <laughs> I wrote a blackboard and stuck it up on the window. And, you know, the next morning we arrived and there was a basket with pumpkins. Like, it's all very romantic. and mm. But in an urban area, I felt like that was pretty cool. Yeah. So that kind of grew and the trading has been a huge part of our business mm. now. How, how did that kind of go financially with obviously you, you, that trade and barter of actually placing like, like what's one pumpkin worth? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what the majority of people didn't want anything? Oh, right. They yeah. were just like... Even better. I know. Great so business. it worked out quite well. <laughs> I've got heaps of this. It's going to rot in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a few people where you're like, you know what, actually we could buy this for cheaper than what we're doing yeah, this yeah, for yeah. but it was more of a gentleman's agreement really like mm. people would bring in a box of lemons and we'd be like do you want a jar of pickles and they're like no thanks or they'd mm. take something and it's been uh, it's surprisingly easy yeah we'd, we'd have it in some of our customers at Cavo and they would They'd be quite proud of the stuff they yeah. grow. Like one guy loved chilies. Like we never used to put chilies on the menu. Yeah. But he'd always bring us chilies. Yeah. Like, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> thanks so much. Cool. I mean, there was a lot of that. There, it got to the stage where I was like, we can't actually deal with all this stuff. Yeah, right. Either, which is kind of why we started the picklery mm. up the road because I was like, well, there are so many grapefruits in the inner west and they're mm. all bring, no one wants them, so they all bring them to us. So we kind of had to figure out how to expand mm. the concept. Mm. And I think that like... Even the fact that you've got this blackboard downstairs where you're like, traders, mm. Joe and Lisa, I don't know, you can <laughs> yeah. insert the names, pumpkins, rocket, whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It not only, it's not only, you know, supplying you food from the local community. So we're talking like, you, you use this food. So it doesn't have to go to the markets and it doesn't have to travel here and whatever. No. It gets walked down the street yeah, in a basket yeah. and, and delivered at your door. But then it's also like... It allows people to be like, okay, well, what, what is this traders thing? I remember the first time I came in mm. and I wasn't across the whole Cornersmith idea, but I looked at that and I was like, oh, that's just people around here that are – like, because usually it would be local producers. Yeah. And I was like, that's just people in the neighbourhood yeah. who, who, who are growing stuff. Like, yeah. And that – potentially like activates people to be like well i live over here yeah like i can grow things exactly like, and stuff like that and that's the next evolution of that exactly which is why we do it which is to, to draw attention to that you can live in the urban area like i love the city i don't want to live in the country um but i want all of that stuff so i think it just gets people thinking and talking and you know it's the same at the cooking classes i see so many people come in and like someone grows pumpkins and someone grows lemons and like by the end of the class they've swapped numbers and are going to go and <laughs> And I cry and, you know, <laughs> feel very pleased with myself. <laughs> That's good. Job satisfaction. Exactly. Need that occasionally. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Um, all right. Well, then, so you get Cornersmith, Marrickville to a point where it's working and the community knows what you're doing. Um, and tell us about then 
when you decide to open the pickle and, and yeah, so look, it was too fast, really, on in retrospect. But um, we grew out of that little cafe. Like we took a, t- you know, we took that shop, the cafe space, because it was little and it was safe, and we had no money, and it, we it, we got too big in kind of the concept too fast. So up the road, a old butcher came up for lease. And I came home one day and said to James, I think we need to open a pickery. And he was like, you are a fucking lunatic. <laughs> but what even is that? Yeah, doesn't exist. Sure. Is that even a word? <laughs> to define uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, it kind of allowed us to expand the idea, really. I wasn't quite sure it was going to be a school yet. I just knew people were obsessed with our pickles all of a sudden. They wanted, they liked the trading stuff. I was kind of on a bit of an adrenaline, adrenaline roll of like, oh, my God, this idea is so good mm. without really thinking much else through um so we took that lease within the first year i think of having the cafe and then pretty quickly opened the school and the picklery and that's kind of evolved over six years seven years maybe even longer now um and now and started out as mainly pickling and groceries so you could come and get proper free-range eggs and pick up pickles and bread and and now it's basically a full-time well it was before COVID a full-time cooking school mm. and it's weird like what is it I don't know it's a really <laughs> weird shop but people love it and I think again it's like my main aim is for it to be an education hub mm. and it's mm. kind of growing into that as I grow mm. as I you know figure out how to run a business so it would have been a difficult thing to you wouldn't be able to start just, we're a pickery and cookery no, school. No, exactly. Need that, build of, that building that community. Yeah, and that kind exactly. Of front and, that face and that almost like this is an example of what we do with this stuff, and you can learn what we do here, and and having that that kind of synergy between the two. Absolutely, there is no way we could have like when you said before, there is no way we could have just opened like, hey, we are a pickery. Yeah. Everyone be like, what? Yeah. But Cornersmith really quickly was the cafe was winning awards and was mm. you know the best cafe and was it kind of got this name for itself, and then I guess people were like, oh, what are they guys up to? Mm. We were trusted mm. to do the next thing. We, we were at the point where you were just selling out of everything you could make yes in the other sense so you, you, yes. of, you knew there was going to be some scalability yes to to go, well if we're doing this we now need to put out this many yes Can we sell that do we have customer base yes which we are still in that problem yeah, 10 yeah. years later <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so any business advice is welcome um yes and i you know we had no idea what we were doing mm. like we'd never run a business before and suddenly we had this really like thing that people wanted and we didn't quite know how to do it. So we've just, we've muddled our way through Mm. basically, Mm. I think. But what we've never lost, and it's to our detriment financially, we've never lost our ethos. Like I just will not budge on it, which is why I still drive a beat up old car. Yeah, Mm. I don't have a car. There you go. (laughs) The dream of Hospo, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You do have a car, Simon. Well, yeah. Your car is unregistered and it's sitting (laughs) at the car park at Cabot. Yeah. Well, cheers to that. Cheers to that. Taking up space. (laughs) Taking up valuable Wollongong car park real estate. Yeah. Don't tell the council. I can walk everywhere except when we come to Sydney. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, this guy will Fine. drive you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've got a higher car. <laughs> yeah. um, that's because mine's in the mechanic. I actually have a car. Yeah. Non-hospital. So I got out of hospitality yeah, so yeah, I could get yeah, a car. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the thing. Is okay, yeah. It's it's um, you. It's, it's a crazy old thing, and, and it's it's not like worth your time half the time. But, yeah. But you like most people in this game who are passionate. Like you, 
really couldn't think of doing anything else. No, so and I don't yeah. think either James or I could do anything yeah. else. I think we're actually unhireable. Like yeah. we're just stuck in Cornersmith forever I'd, now. I like actually mm. work for someone else. <laughs> yeah, really. exactly. <laughs> Particularly well. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I think we, like, we, we sort of spoke earlier before we started about how hospitality pivots really well. And pivot's been the word that's been thrown around a lot. Mm. Mm. And how I think it's more of just like, well, we're stuck doing this. We've yeah. made our bed. Yes. So let's just make it work somehow. Yeah. So whether it's like, let's do a cookery school. We, we did the same thing at Cavo. We used to do cookery school once a month. And, and yeah. it was like a whole day on our day off. And it was a lot of work for not crazy amounts of money. Yeah. But it was like, well, let's do this to keep us going. That can yeah. pay for that. And then we can get this thing that we want. And yeah. you kind of do just make it work. and it, you end On up the with fly. A, yeah, with a weird jumble of business ideas sometimes. Yeah. But if it works and people like it, then it works. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that I feel like we've tried lots of different things over the years. And I think that's something that is interesting in hospitality as well. But that the, the cooking school, to me, feels like the core of everything and also the future for mm. us. Like education has got to be the thing i mean in every facet at the moment particularly mm, yeah. people want more knowledge more information um so yeah that's that's got my if i could if i could open my school again <laughs> then yeah. that's where we will go hard and fast is was the cooking school like in terms of like because we, we talk about how difficult it is to run a hospitality business yeah. and now post covid like we've seen the absolute infinite array of different adaptations and side hustles and different income mm. streams that, that businesses are able to yeah. generate um, in order to keep their business afloat during COVID. Yeah. But like was was the cookery school or like part of part of the picklery or the upscaling of the picklery like was that kind of like ever like a, a hedge on having cafes and, and, and trying to just generate other income streams to keep you uh, 100%. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, you know, everyone who's in hospo knows you have months where you don't make any money. Um, so, the having, I guess, multiple arms of the business allows us to have, you know, lean on a different side of it mm-hmm. at times as well. So, we'll amp up the pickling. When the cafe's quiet, we can amp up the pickling. I can put more classes on. Um Yes, but I also think they, I don't know, they seem to all work, as a concept, they all work together. So people come to, like I think the experience is people come to the cafe, they look up, they see all these pickles that we're making, they look over, they see the traders board and then they go, oh, they also run classes in making this stuff as well. So, and then they can kind of come to the school. So it, I don't know, mm. I think it works. Well, it's an interesting, if you've got the same ethos flowing through everything, Yeah. even if it was like, I'm going to do I'm going to do the Cornsmith podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a completely different thing. Yeah. But it holds true to that. that and I that guess maybe belief. now we're kind of an idea more than anything. Mm. It's, it's interesting because I think it's like in anything that as business people we do that like especially if you're the one if you're the driving force behind it or yourself and a partner or something like that are the driving forces behind it it's like you can't like if you if you're a person with strong values you can't separate your business from your values in a way like everything that i do with my my business Mm. started as i was making cookbooks and selling cookbooks Mm. and that's all i did and now we find ourselves doing these podcasts in regional areas talking to the same people that Mm. were giving me recipes for the cookbooks talking about the same stuff just in a different different format format. absolutely and and yeah. it's all just it, it it just naturally like there's been no 
intention to do it in this certain way it's mm. just naturally happened like, yeah you know. yeah because people often say to me what do you do and i'm like oh well i run my own business i, I don't know how to explain yeah, to yeah. you all the things yeah, that self-employed. i do self-employed yeah, yeah exactly yeah i do that yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'll do that too yeah yeah uh yeah that's fantastic and i think like i guess touching on the the cooking school thing and a thing that like um i've talked to about with um do you know the guys at buena have you heard of buena vista farm down in jerry yes yeah. i have i love those guys yeah. so when they started their cooking school down there like mm. fiona when when i did a podcast with them when i was doing the illawarra cookbook um mentioned that services and experiences people pay more for oh 100 yeah like and i am I cannot keep up with pickling classes. Like mm. we run a whole range of classes, but I like I've been doing this for 8 years. I'm still running so many pickling classes all the time. And I think about it a lot. I'm like, what is this? Like it's not actually just about pickling, I don't think. I think it is the experience of it. I think people want to know how to be self-sufficient. I think people want to connect with food again. I think people want to get out of the supermarket. It's like it's not like the pickle is just something to do while we're talking about all these other things mm. maybe but yes it is the uh it's the part of our business that is kind of easy to run in some ways because you don't need many staff you know who's going to turn up you know how many tickets you've sold um you know it has its own headaches but it's yeah we always cookery schools we just do Kavo were like sometimes it's the hardest day just being like on with customers well you've got to be on all the time yeah for like and it was you know three first, hours they were there for like yeah four four and a half hours there with us and yeah I was there before prepping and then thereafter. Like, I think yeah. that was the first one Tom and I did. We both were, like, asleep on the dining chairs. <laughs> yeah. we like, it's oh pretty intense. exhausting. You've <laughs> got to be on all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if I should say this, but they want they want me to be Mrs. Cornersmith. Mm. Like, yeah. on living my best Cornersmith life. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. where I'm, you know. Well, Tom that's like it. There's, like, an aspect of this sort of, like... It's performance. Performance yeah. and, mm. and, and oh, hyper personality same, about it. Same jokes. Yeah, same, same jokes. Point. Yeah. And that, <laughs> yeah. And we like laughing like then eventually we were laughing that we were making the same yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we were laughing about that. I know. About once every two years, Jamie and I say, Maybe it's time for a joke update. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Gotta build it in. <laughs> same yeah, exactly. We're recycling jokes for the podcast as we yeah. speak. Yeah. Sustainable yeah. recycle jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, well, I wanna ask you about pickling in general. Like yes. you've you're in the middle of a pickling boom, essentially, and you did like pickle demic. Yeah, <laughs> yes, like I mean, I'll give Cornersmith the credit it deserves in being a part of that. But like, how have you seen this sort of pickle trend around you? Because it doesn't. It's not just jars of pickles, but like, there's a pickle on every menu in Sydney. Mm. Like, yeah, um, it's funny. I mean, yes, like credit due to Cornersmith. It's funny when you're kind of on the edge of it. Like, I don't notice it that much. But we started what ten years ago. And people, just having pickles on the shelves and people were like, whoa, like could not get enough of it. But it's still the same. Mm. Like we, it's like, you know, we put, we have these newsletters, we send out our newsletters and we're just like, it's like this mad rush. Everyone just manically buys pickles online. Like they've never seen them before. I mean, it's, I don't quite understand it, to be honest. Um, But I think that, I think there's the, the buying of the pickles and the eating of the pickles is a different audience to the people who are making stuff Mm. who are coming to me to learn how to do it Mm. um i don't know why people are so obsessed like is it the flavor no i don't know yes uh i think like the once people kind of get the palate (laughs) for like pickles and ferments like they're quite kind of addictive they are addictive kind of like with with those 
that kind of um, umami savory like the intensity yeah yeah like yeah, it's yeah. Quite, um, yeah it's kind of a quite addictive flavor it is an addictive flavor and i think maybe once you start eating like that you, uh, you you also realize how awesome it is like you mm. can have a couple of condiments like i've got permanently three or four different condiments on the table and we just add it to whatever so you can turn a yeah. pretty average meal into like something it's, it's awesome like a little kind of kind of status symbol for ah. a certain group of people possibly of having like it's like I've got these pickles from Cornsmith yeah rather than right just being like, I've got these pickles from well from I do Coles th- or I do like, think it's been um, successful for our business in that it becomes a conversation starter so even if you know like we're just gonna advertise them yeah house. and that goes to someone's house and mm. then they go oh what's this cool this tastes good whatever and mm. then you talk about the pickled grapes or whatever crazy thing it is and then it leads to so that's kind of how I try to see it mm. in a way is that I guess there's potentially also like there might have just been a point and it might have been an amalgamation of chefs putting it on menus and you guys doing what you're doing and other people doing stuff too but like for quite a while I just remember when I was young pickles were gherkins and onions and a bit gross yeah you know what I mean like that was it and there wasn't like a huge differentiation between like you can do dill ones you can do sweet ones you can do spicy ones like and you can do you can pickle anything yeah it's not just something you have like on a cheese sandwich it's something that you can put with a piece of fish or like yeah in a salad or yeah yeah. and i guess maybe that education of people knowing how to eat them as well has been that they can have them in their fridge and not feel like it's going to sit there for Mm. three months i think there's a look back of like people are looking back and going like what are these older techniques yeah kind of lost which is funny because they're only kind of lost like in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, like, even like parents' generation, grandparents, like they would pickle and yeah. preserve stuff. Yeah. And, like, we'd, we'd make chutneys and things. So yeah. There's a kind of look back of people to look at these old, older techniques. Yeah. And, and obviously with the environmental part of preserving food and, yeah. and having that longevity. I think it's just, it's just, it's very much in the, the, kind of vogue of what's happening now with yeah absolutely general. and i think that people you know it's the same with coming to the classes maybe it's the same with buying them is that you feel like yes it's delicious but yes it's also doing something good mm. we are supporting a small business we are reducing food waste we are yeah. you know learning about old school f- skills we're talking about seasonal produce so i guess again it's like it's the pickle is not really yeah. what the pickle is mm. it's like that's delicious but it's got this big idea behind yeah, it I think it's the kind of the nordic influence of food around the world yeah absolutely it's been a big I mean, the fact that you can you yeah. buy a pretty weighty book all about pickles and yeah ferments. and i um, guess also you know every culture pickles it's yeah, it's yeah. just us that have yeah. feel like it's new and weird and yeah exactly crazy yeah. and i what i love the most about pickles god here we go is let's really go deep into <laughs> yeah. it is that um oh no now i've forgotten why i love them so much <laughs> i just do i just I really just really do but I guess maybe what I think is that the it feels like most cultures value food in a way that we don't. So while yeah. we will throw it in the bin, other people who either value food more or don't have the finances or whatever it is will go, what else can I turn this into? Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is what the pickling and the fermenting and all the, you know, cheese making, all of this stuff is about. Yeah. I'm not going to let this ingredient go to waste. It is too special. What comes next? Mm. Australia kind of missed out on that by being a young you know, from a white person's perspective, a young, fairly rich company, mm. uh, company, country. Yeah, um, he's a bit of a company at the moment, yeah, but yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah, it's around like that. Yeah, <laughs> um, fr- from the off, whereas um, you know, pickling and preserving came from sort of peasant food in, in Europe and things like that. Yeah, it, it was like 
we have this, how can we use every part of it? Even yeah. Food. Yeah. Well, exactly. How can we have this in, su- in yeah, summer? So yeah, or even, how can we have it in winter? Sorry. Like, like, what, what yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 What, what seems like wanky like restaurant techniques, like confit, like that's like a peasant way of preserving meat. Yeah. Fat, like, Yeah, and I think maybe it's looking at that stuff that has always just been in high-end restaurants where people can't quite connect with it Mm. or don't understand how they could do that at home to us bringing it into going, say, you can actually make sauerkraut out of scraps that you have left over, you know. So I think it's maybe just bringing down the veil of that these are hard techniques. Do do you worry by teaching everyone how to pickle, they're just going to stop buying them? Because it's, it's absolutely not. It can be a, <laughs> no, a people say that to me all the time. Yeah, right. And firstly, like if anyone wants to start a picklery, good fucking luck. <laughs> but also, um, most people y- will definitely pickle. Mm. But like, I mean, I still buy stuff. Like if I see something that's great, I will buy it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not like I only eat food that I make myself. And, uh, you know, we are all busy city people. Yeah. I don't think everyone's... Well, not everyone cooks. Not everyone cooks. And I've got... To be, I think that's why actually coming back to the business side of things, the people who are learning to pickle are coming to me and they're buying a class or they're buying my cookbooks. Mm. The people who are not interested are just going to buy it on the shelf. So it kind of opens up my audience maybe. Mm. No, I'm not worried. That's good. Yeah, not at <laughs> all. <laughs> I just write another cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> Let's... Let's talk about let's talk about cookbooks now. I want to okay. ask you about cookbooks because yeah. I make cookbooks. Yes, um, and then we'll we'll finish off with a bit of other stuff. Mm. But um, tell us about like how did the evolution of a first cookbook happen? Well, hilariously, I um, we'd had the Cornersmith Cafe for a very short period of time, and a publisher came and knocked on the door. Actually, two publishers came and knocked on the door. I'm like, do you want to write a cookbook? And I was just like, laughed. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, no, I don't think I could do that. Like, we are just, I'm just me. Um, but anyway, with much uh, love and hand-holding, felt like we had enough of a story and enough of an idea to write a book. So that first book was a massive um, eye-opener and, you know, it's like your first baby. It was like the first cafe. Like I put everything into it and all very, you know, like the personal story and also the e- whole ethos of Cornersmith. Mm. And that now is such a, oh, my God, I'm weirdly maybe going to cry. Sorry. Mm. But that's to me now really feels like I'm so glad that we did that and it doesn't – cookbooks don't make you money. Nothing in hospitality makes you money. Mm. But that is like, you know, I will look back on that book – and that feels really amazing in that that's mm. how that's, that's that's kind of how it all started and it was so early yeah right it was so early in the piece that i'm you know surprised we could pull it together mm. thank you publishers yeah thank you murdoch how did you how did you go like like you have to write an introduction or whatever. It might yeah, be. that like, was really hard. I mean, yeah. I'm not a writer, <laughs> yeah, but hard, I yeah. guess I have a lot to say and I really love what I do and I really believe in what I do and it comes from a really personal, like it just comes from yeah. me. So it's not that hard in some ways. But like there, there's a moment there and I've, I've had to do it too because yeah. I make these cookbooks about regions and it's happened with like, let's use the Illawarra cookbook for as an example. And I sit down to to start writing the copy for the book and it starts with the introduction. And I go and I just take this big breath and go, how do I encapsulate what I'm trying to fucking say? Yeah, exactly. And it just seems quite daunting and then you start writing and you eventually get somewhere. Like, And the the trick is to just start writing. Yeah, exactly. And you see what happens. Yeah. the moment of just trying to... I know. Yeah. I always leave it till the very end until the publishers are yeah, like, now is the I time. Leave it in, now is the, the time. Well. There is no more time left. 
Yeah. Um, so then we did another book. I did another book with um, our head chef at the time, Sabina, Salads and Pickles, which was awesome. And that's the one that most people who are – it's all vegetarian and it's um, mainly like just so many pickles and how to eat them and just finished the third one in COVID. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, amazing. And it's a very weirdly uh, relevant book, kind of accidentally relevant – but it is all – I wrote it with Jamie who runs the cooking school with me and it is all about – it's called Use It All and it's Amazing. all about using it all yeah. <laughs> and it's about whole ingredients and it's about how to change it. It's kind of a sustainable guide really awesome. for home. Mm. Perfect. It's less, it's less cafe. It's more home. Yeah. Yeah. People need it. There's like yeah. – there is so – there is so many – interesting and cool if, if you like cooking there are so many interesting and cool and fun ways to use all of your food oh. and mm. it's just like the world is just yeah. the world of you know it's using the whole very rarely food. something that you need to throw away i know like, whether it's like just stock or like dehydrating like dehydrating is the best one like yeah when, when we just like juice things and just make powder uh, yeah exactly and you're like this is great this is and, ingredients. <laughs> and once you're kind of in that frame of mind you can't throw anything in the bin yeah oh, yeah yeah you know I've always just had like multiple just like like what's that my like, oh, it's something <laughs> just can't get rid yeah, of it just some scraps <laughs> that i just i don't know which is like, good and it's see. so creative like yesterday we made a massive batch of this pear and lemon and rosemary chutney mm. and all the cores were sitting there like a big bucket of them yeah we kind of look at each other and i was like we can't we can't <laughs> throw them in the bin yeah yeah so we cover them with a sugar syrup and we added all this stuff and we ended up with this amazing well, dessert syrup, I guess. It almost tastes like Coca-Cola. Yeah, um, wow. And it's pear core, I don't know, syrup. Yeah. So delicious. I really recommend making mm. it I if you have a fine Once you know the kind of basic techniques of, of ways you can do things, it is a, lot, of a lot of time it's like chuck it with some sugar. Yeah, exactly. Like we Add some flavour. Um, our friend's bar, they do fireball and apple juice oh uh, yeah so they have heaps of like random apple kick out mm. so when we're doing goodwill only so like a pay what you feel yeah um community kind of project we were taking all their all that and yeah making a syrup out of it and yeah get serving that with a little with the dessert we were doing so good and, like they pump through apples oh yeah so like and they're just throwing out this massive thing like it did take you know some quite a lot of sugar and yeah and a bit of reduction and a bit yeah, of yeah, thickening but to make but we were like that's delicious. And I think you start Rizzle looking at food waste or scraps or whatever it is in a different way. Yeah, like yeah. I look at them now and I'm like, there's got to be stuff we can do well, with so that. Sometimes this one was the most, it's, it's the best part. I know. Like, like you've made the chutney yeah, short, yeah, that's delicious. Like, yeah. Now we've got the cores. Like, how can I make this great? Yeah, like, exactly. It's like actual challenge. Yeah. And we are, um, our waste hacks uh, that we do on social media, on Instagram, are just gathering so much traction and it's really yeah, cool. just getting people to rethink scraps. They don't have to do it, but they're thinking mm. about it or to change their habits. So every Wednesday we do something like what to do with orange skins or what to do yeah, with beetroot yeah. stems or – and like yesterday or whenever it was, um, this woman who does natural dyeing came and got all our onion skins from our onion oh, relish. Awesome. Yeah, I saw so, that post. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I was cool. like, okay, this we need to connect with other people in the community so that your even the food waste is becoming – you know, we were just kind of saying, oh, well, one person's rubbish is someone else's gold. Mm. And she was so pumped. She was like, there's no way I could ever come across 30 kilos yeah, of onion yeah. skins and onion myself. And onion skins is one of those things that you just can't use. 
Like, no, you can't I mean, do it. sure, like, you can try. Well, you actually, even, you're not really exposed to compost. You make to me, a little though, black like, powder and exactly. call it, you call it onion ash. <laughs> exactly. And goes, oh my god! <laughs> but on the like, home oh, front, too much on because it will <laughs> yeah. taste like onion ash. <laughs> um, but on the home cool. front, yes, no yeah. one you do. You know, there is nothing you can do with them. And she was super pumped yeah. and made beautiful yeah, wow. things. So yeah, it's I don't know. I'm really excited about that side of stuff. Like, is it's something that. Especially, like, if you think about the craziest week of COVID where people are like, you go to the fruit and veg, you know, section of your grocer or wherever and you, and, and there's shit all there. Yeah. Like, and people are like, fuck, what am I going to do? Like, they yeah. were actually, like, eating the, the stumps of their food. Because yeah, they, they, they had like, no I choice. I don't know if I'm going to get more carrots this yeah, week like, yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, yeah, like, I think people are... Are hungry for for education and, and for also like, i so. think there was a big thing about you know you'd go to the supermarket and it, like what you wanted or what you were feeling like wasn't there mm-hmm. and that that actually set off panic it wasn't that they were going to go hungry no, but no, what was in was, their mind that they thought they were going to buy wasn't there yeah. and that's really important that needs to happen more yeah. so people go ah seasons are a thing oh, or oh. i'll have to trans uh, you know i don't just have to buy what's on the recipe i can interchange it with this yeah. i actually think that was a really good thing and i think we I should go in the supermarket market like all the meat was sold out except the kangaroo yeah there was literally like it was completely bare there was just this one stock of kangaroo and i was like great i'm kangaroo perfect <laughs> yeah. delicious. and right? you I'm wouldn't like, have normally bought that um oh, you know? I, yeah i would have we use, we use a lot of kangaroo and yeah at the restaurant so I, i'd buy it quite often but it's like it's always there and i'm like great i'll be fine during a pandemic yeah 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 you. you're not afraid only, of kangaroo. It's, fucking kangaroo it's kind of, it was kind of like a good especially if you went to a supermarket during that time it was like gives you an understanding of what people actually eat like yes. in yeah. general like i yes i was down the south coast yeah. and went to the supermarket and to get paper. some stuff mm. and Sweet. yeah like so i was looking for some dry stuff because again mm. uncertain times i wasn't panic buying but i wanted some some stuff just mm. in case i couldn't go to the, I, I wanted to go to the supermarket once a fortnight or to the grocer once a fortnight and get my dry stuff so yeah. i went to the supermarket and pasta's gone rice is gone all that stuff's gone but you go to the asian section there's there's soba noodles there's yeah. vermicilli noodles there's yeah. rice noodles there's all sorts of beautiful dried stuff that'll last you a lifetime and, and people it was just still like, there it's yeah. not rice or pasta yeah like, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely so, i don't know it was it was an interesting one um so like now that we're on on this let's we'll finish off by sort of where we are now a little bit but like while covid was happening mm. did you, you've obviously got your business to think about and you're like shit, how are we going to get Cornersmith through COVID? Yeah. But like, were you at the same time thinking, well, fuck, Cornersmith's the like exact thing that people need right now in terms of like what we stand for and what we educate people with. I also have this like role to play here that I need to yes. figure out how to... How, how to, to save how it. To yeah. Yes. Like, yes. All of that was going through my mind. Yeah. Um, and I had a few people send me texts going, if Cornersmith goes under, there is something really wrong with the world because... It's, it is what people need. It is what people want. And it is kind of, I don't know, I feel like this, in some ways we're lucky because we've put so much energy and effort into all of, you know, community and reducing food waste and educating and all of that kind of stuff. COVID hits and people are still supporting us because they want to support that ethos as well. So in some ways we've been very lucky. Um, yes, I think I do. Like, I just don't think Connor Smith can ever close <laughs> because when we closed our Marrickville Cafe, people would yell out the window at me and James while we were walking down the street. Like, they are so connected to us. Well, it's not us, but to the business. Um, 
that we're afraid to ever do anything else, basically. <laughs> but yes, I think though what we will have to do like all businesses is that we have to adapt. We have to change what we're doing because there was so much that didn't work during COVID and COVID made it really apparent what wasn't working in your business. Yeah. Whereas when you're busy and you're hustling, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, deal with that later and you never deal with it. Mm. So we need to change what we're doing. I don't want to have three shops. I don't want to have like that's really changed. It's made me realise what I want personally um i think that the community businesses run by actual people is the future of business yeah. i don't know if you guys agree with that but i feel like we not these big restaurant groups and all this kind of stuff you need to like i will come to your place in wollongong because i've met you and i want to support you and i want yeah, you to be sure. able to have a car one day <laughs> you know but that's how i think it kind of yeah, needs yeah. to I mean, and i, I like what you're about and i don't know that to me i was like that's that's going to be a good thing that comes out of this. Yeah, I think it's the um, the hospitality model in general has, has some major flaws in it. Yeah. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of changes. I think probably quite luckily a lot of the thing that change a lot of restaurants going to make is using up their waste. Yeah. Is putting those cheaper cuts on, is finding those different yeah. vegetables. Yeah, not chucking the tops of everything in the bin. Exactly. I think I think that's going to be a change. So you, you're probably well ahead of the game there. Yeah. Um, but then there's, there's some kind of inherent flaws with it which makes you know, having multiple venues and a big company with lots of money behind just inherently safer. So definitely no. needs to be some changes on the ground. Yeah. Um, which I think I think people are seeing. Even even just like a cup of coffee should be more expensive. A cup of coffee like, is so expensive. I don't like, know why. It, I mean, it should be more expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's so expensive yeah. to make. Yeah. So, it, I mean, little yeah. things like that. I mean, and that, that's, that's we've, I'd probably mention this every mm. podcast oh, no keep it's saying like, it though. Pay your food. Yeah. yeah. Drinks. Like, and our food is everywhere is mm. too cheap yeah yeah like it's ludicrous. like but i mean that, that's that's an issue in itself that people like there's certain things like okay coffee has to be below five bucks like there's literally like yeah and it's, it's same kind of wine and cocktails to an extent or they're much more inflated mm. like but it's like if you if a cocktail's more than 20 bucks then it's expensive so 18 bucks is fine like yeah you can get away about 18 to 20 for an espresso yeah. martini but 22 people are like what the hell like, <laughs> you're you, insane you're about 18 or like 14 <laughs> making 14 dollars off you yeah but like you won't pay more than five bucks for a cup of coffee yeah like, some weird things cocktail, the cocktail comparison is such a it's, oh. it's such a weird one hey because Crazy. people do want to pay 18 bucks for a yeah for, for a cocktail that they'll it. smash in four seconds but then like you're like oh well, why don't you get one of our small plates that's 18 bucks at, like oh, yeah, at, yeah. at a restaurant or whatever yeah. and it's like it's like yeah, eighteen dollars. Uh, like, a couple of duck rolls, round of espresso martinis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking one hundred and sixty bucks later. Like, yeah, like yeah. It's just, it is. No it's idea. very strange. But we, we, everyone does need to spend more money. At yeah, shops. It it's almost later. like there yeah. should just be one collective unification of hospitality. People saying we're putting a, a, a tax on our product and yeah, well, it's I mean, called mm, the hospo like food isn't expensive enough tax and mm. everything's <laughs> going up like I mean, there's always been that but it's been the wrong way where there was a price fight of like yeah. Yeah. you can get a you know steak on the plate for under 20 bucks which mm. is ludicrous in itself like so it's been been a fight the wrong way we need to kind of fight it's like who can have the most expensive dish in <laughs> exactly in and everyone Sydney? buys it yeah like who's got the most expensive coffee wow it must be great <laughs> like that's mm. the kind of vibe we need tough one um all right, let's start wrapping up. Um, Alex, what's the, what's the name of the new cookbook? Use It All. Use It All. When's it coming out? It is coming out in October. October. Fantastic. Just in Pre-orders very soon though. Yeah. Um, so keep you your can, eye out. You can get it pre-orders through Cornersmith and... Sign up to the newsletter. 
Fantastic. I'll let you know. What else? Anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you've got planned? Yeah, well, not yes and no. Like we don't know what we need to do, but we need to do something like all businesses are probably feeling mm. at the moment. Um, so we're talking endlessly about that. I really want to have one shop. I think a flagship store of Cornersmith where you do everything in one space is what we need to have where James and I are here, if we can work in the same room together at the same time. <laughs> Not easier said than done. It needs to be spacious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why corners. we actually yeah, had yeah. three shops. Um, uh, so that it's all, I think, you know, having what I've noticed after COVID, having multiple rents to pay, having multiple insurance to pay, having multiple managers to pay, we can't do that anymore. Mm. So we need to change the model, but I think it's also going to work well in that we can – really push the side of stuff that we want to push, which is, for me, the future's education. Mm. I'm actually a bit tired of what people want for breakfast. I'm a bit tired of haggling over the price of things. Mm -hmm. So, and that's fine and we will always do that because we love it and we love that the community uses our space as a place to come together. But education, education, education. For me, that's what will drive me for the next, God, however many years we are still working, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Well, hope we've educated some people uh, through our conversation. Alex, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hello, dear listeners. Steph here. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Food Fight. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at The Food Fight Podcast on Instagram or The Food Fight Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you and we want to talk to you. Please leave us a five star review on iTunes. That really helps. If you want to hit me up, it's quicksandfood.com or at quicksandfood on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with Simon, it's Simon underscore Evans underscore TBD on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you again with another episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.